0: For the last 26 years, I've been rocking stages, playing in clubs, and having a lot of fun as a DJ and turntablist, and in that time, I've seen and learned a lot. Now it's time for me to share that knowledge by answering the questions that can help you to become a better DJ. I'm DJ TLF, and this is the Share the Knowledge Podcast for DJs. Today's podcast is brought to you by Banzoogle. One, two, one, two, what's going on? It's your boy DJ TLM. You're checking out the Share the Knowledge podcast for DJs episode 10. It's 2019. This is season two. This is my Q&A show for DJs. I share my 26 plus years of DJ experience and I try to answer as many questions as I can, add as much value to the DJ community as I possibly can. And sometimes I'll just have some DJ related topics that I want to talk about or just current projects that I'm working on. And I Take care of all of that right here in the podcast. I want to thank you for tuning in. If you're new to the podcast, I drop a new one every Monday and you can find me on any podcast platform. If you want to check out more of my DJ-related content, make sure you check me out on YouTube. That's DJ TLM TV on YouTube. And for all my info, just go to DJTLM.com. All right. Normally, I post a question on Instagram and I ask you to um, just leave me questions for the next podcast episode. I did not do that today. So in this case, we're going to the comments section on YouTube, so my DJ TLM TV comments section, I have over 430 videos there, and in my YouTube Creator app, I have the option just to check out all of the comments that are posted under any of my videos. So in this case, I'm just gonna scroll right through, and I wanna get into some of the comments I saw uh, surrounding my topic about the end of turntables in clubs. Now, if you tuned in last week, uh, I talked about a question And the question was if I thought that turntables would be leaving clubs because of the Rain 12s. Now, I already said that a lot of clubs here in the Netherlands actually don't have turntables as their standard setup, but they do have turntables available in the club. So they have some stored uh, somewhere in the venue, but they can bring them out when people need turntables. In fact, there's a lot of DJs who prefer turntables are even willing to bring their own turntables for specific gigs. The question was if the Rain 12 was going to be the reason turntables would leave the club, and my answer is no. And the general consensus in the comments section is also no, because a lot of people are just seeing that the Rain 12s aren't in clubs, so they're not replacing turntables. A lot of the clubs didn't have turntables anyway, or they didn't see turntables, but the Rain 12s are not replacing those turntables. That's also one of the reasons why I don't call the Rain 12 a game changer because it is not one of those things that's going to have that type of impact on the DJ uh, culture. Now, I do see a lot of video material with DJs using Rain 12s, and you do have DJs that will bring their own Rain 12s to a venue. And I've done that myself once. But for the most part, people won't do that and they'll play on whatever's in the club and they'll use CDJs or the turntables with DVS. And that's why phase will have a bigger impact because you can take phase to any club and as long as they have turntables with rotating platters. So if the platters are still spinning, you can use phase. Um, But I do want to get into the fact that I was asked about my opinion when it came to the issues with phase. And my answer was I don't know about the issues. Uh, Besides some of the things I've read online because I don't have my phase uh, system yet. I'm still waiting. It should be arriving soon, um, but I don't have it yet. I have heard people talk about sync issues and stuff like that. And uh, I know I saw a comment in here by Cleveland Terry Bowens. Uh, I hope that's how you pronounce your last name. Check him out on YouTube as well because I know he's made a video about phase, he's done like a review and he's tested it. And he's waiting on the firmware update because there are some issues, but not enough to prevent you from using them, but enough that you have to think about them while using it. Yeah, there seems to be a drift issue. And hopefully firmware will fix that. I have no doubt that they're going to be able to fix issues like that with firmware uh, updates. But if that's going to be something that happens soon, I don't know. And there have been a couple of issues when it comes to waiting time and phase. That's been the main complaint for a lot of people who pre-ordered their phase units over a year ago. And finally, now they have them and communication hasn't been totally smooth. So I hope that their updates are going to be coming out a little more smoothly or at least that they communicate the, the, the release of that. As soon as possible, because if I was a brand and I was launching a brand new product, I know not everything is going to be perfect. You're going to run into situations, but I would try to stay on top of that and make sure I keep a clear, open um, line of communication with the consumer and um, take their input, but also make sure I keep them up to date when it comes to what's happening, what they're working on, and when we can expect updates and stuff like that. Um All right, let me see what is in here. I'm 41, and I've been thinking about DJing since my teens. I recently bought an entry-level controller, and people are losing their minds over my mixes. Can't believe how addictive it is, how supportive the DJ community is. Uh, Yeah, man, that's great to hear. That's always great to hear. Uh, 41, that just reminds me of the fact that I've talked about this more and more, that your age is of no importance. If you feel DJing is something you want to do, and you're 11, go for it. You're 41, go for it. You're 51, go for it. And DJing does not mean that you have to play in clubs every week. You could have all the fun in the world by just DJing at home, and every once in a while, maybe if you have, like, uh, a family gathering or some type of local event, you can bring out your stuff and play there as well. I mean, DJing is just fun. So don't let anything hold you back just to make sure you get yourself a set and have some fun with it. And while I'm on that subject, I'm currently, uh, and I've talked about this in the past couple of weeks, because this is something that's really taking up a lot of my time right now. I'm currently working on my first official DJ course, and that is definitely aimed at the beginner DJs. So whatever your age is, if you're starting out right now, that course is going to be all for you. And my main goal with that course is to make sure that you have the right foundation. So it doesn't matter if you want to become a club DJ, festival DJ, or just play at home. Having that right foundation is just the the thing you need to set you up for success. And if you're just going to play at home, to set you up to have more fun. You can buy a set and just play around with it at home. That's going to be massive fun. I know. Just playing the music you love, Uh, having no idea how to mix, you're still going to have fun. But if you learn those fundamental skills and techniques, the knowledge that comes with it, that's going to help you out a lot because once you understand the structure of songs and you get a little insight into how and when you're supposed to mix and you start to hear yourself do mixes that actually make sense, so they're in sync, you got the EQ right, you got the timing right. First time I did that, that blew my mind. And I was just thinking about that uh, today actually, when the first time I had an acapella and that acapella was synced up with an instrumental and um, I got it to work. So I had it synced right and the timing was right. That to me was like mind blowing that I was able to make my own version of a song by grabbing two records, one instrumental, one acapella And now I was hearing a totally new version of a song that I already loved. And if you're doing stuff like that, timing and being able to beat match is so important because during these last, I don't know, um, whatever, 25 years, I've heard so many, let's call them mashups where DJs are using acapella and instrumental, where DJs were either not beat matching correctly, so... The acapella was in there at the right point, but the tempo was wrong, and you could hear it get out of sync, and then the flow of the acapella just doesn't make sense anymore. That's a horrible sound. Or, to me, even worse is when you hear that the beats were matched correctly, but the acapella was placed on the wrong count, and... Obviously, the DJ who's doing the mashup is not hearing it, but if it's one of your favorite tracks, and you know that track by heart, you know exactly how all the lyrics go, how it's supposed to be uh, a flow, you name it, and you hear it, and it's placed incorrectly on an instrumental on the wrong count, it totally destroys the song, and I yeah, that's like one of the things I could never stand. That was just like abuse of songs to me. Um, that can all be prevented if your foundation is correct. Once you know how to count and you understand how timing works, you're not going to drop that acapella on the wrong count. You're going to get it right, and you're going to hear if it's not right. Um, I was blessed to just, just I don't know, kind of have that ability. Drumming helped out a lot, of course, but... I had an ear for that and some people will just have that ear for it and some DJs will tell you that they feel all of these um, tutorials and all of this uh, technical explaining is a bunch of BS that it's all about feeling the music. But fact just is for a lot of people it isn't and yes you're supposed to feel the music but it's about more than a feeling. Some people just do not have that rhythmical sense built in that they can automatically hear when uh, a beat is not matched correctly or if you're dropping something on the wrong count. For a lot of people, that is not a natural instinct, and you're going to have to learn how that works. I, I can't remember if I absolutely knew how that worked before I started drumming, My guess is I had a rhythmical sense. I listened to a lot of music. I just had a feeling for it. But still, drumming taught me all about the structure. Because when you're drumming, you also learn how to work with beats, bars, and phrases. Even though I've never used those terms back then, I learned about measures, which is the same thing as a bar. And you actually learn to read uh, these sheets of musical paper, but drum... Not notes, but just the drum patterns. You learn how to read those and perform those. And I'm sure that helped me out. But I also had an ear for key because I could hear when certain songs would clash in the melody. A lot of people don't hear that. And you have to teach them. And you can't teach them. That's the beautiful thing about the internet. You you have a chance to actually teach people. And that's going to help you improve your playing as well. So, yeah, man, I love it. I mean, I digress. That happens sometimes. Um, But, yeah, when I think of stuff, I get to say it. That's why I have my podcast. (laughs) All right, so uh, let me go on. So I'm still waiting for the Elite Mixer release. uh, Reloop looked good, too. I'm going to order phase. Uh, Which one is the Elite Mixer? That's the Reloop, right? Still need to get my hands on that, but I don't have it right now. Um, Let's see. What else do we have in here? Uh, so here's another one. Rain 12s are not going to be making their way into clubs in the U.S. in my opinion, and I spend a lot of spots in NYC. In fact, vinyl is being used a lot these days, so it's going to be turntables and CDJs for the time being. Face is going to be useful, as you said, because you can still use real vinyl. All right, that's good to hear. Um, I hope you're a Yankee fan and not just wearing the hat because it's dope. We take the Bronx Bombers seriously in NYC, baby. Um, no, I am not a Yankee fan. Um, I wear because I like the NY hat. Yes. And I have that right to because I'm a tourist. <laughs> Look, I'm not a U.S. resident, so I don't have to claim any city or any team like that. And I always like the NY hat. I mean, for me... My love with the U.S. definitely came from hip-hop, and the hip-hop that influenced me most was definitely East Coast and New York. I love West Coast hip-hop as well, but New York was special for me. Um, And if I'm not mistaken, I'm not 100% sure, I bought that one in New York, bought a lot of those hats there, Um, so no. I'm not going to apologize for that. Uh, I'm glad you take it serious. I mean, we have the same thing over here. I'm from Amsterdam, and you will not catch me walking around with merchandise from uh, soccer clubs from other cities. And I'm not even into football, soccer. I'm not even into that uh, besides training my son's team, coaching my son's team. But this is Amsterdam. So if I'm rocking anything, it's going to be our club. It's going to be Ajax all the way. Um, So I understand where you're coming from, but then again, if I see someone from New York rocking one of our caps, I'm not going to be mad about it if he just bought the cap because it was dope or because it's at Amsterdam on the side. So uh, yeah, that is what it is. Why would anyone dislike this dude's video? Keep up the good work. All right, let's let's get into that for a second. Um, this, This doesn't just relate to me, but to everyone on social media. This is bigger than YouTube. It's all social media. But especially when it comes to YouTube and my videos, I know I always have at least two people who have made it their um, their hobby, I guess, to make sure they dislike my video. I always have like one or two. I, I'm, I'm very content with the amount of likes compared to dislikes that I receive for my videos because uh, it definitely paints uh, a picture that shows me that people appreciate the videos and that there's a pretty positive vibe around that whole channel. And you can see that in the comments as well. There's like hardly any negativity and YouTube can be a cesspool when it comes to that. If you go to comment sections for certain types of videos, whoo, it's it's incredible, it's terrible to see the amount of negativity you see there. You hardly see that when it comes to all of my videos on my channel, a lot of positivity, um, sometimes there will be discussions, but even though discussions are handled in a mature fashion, so I really like that, but there are always like one or two people that are, as soon as my video drops, they're there for that dislike. I would almost say that they subscribe and have the notifications on just so they can dislike. Um, but I don't worry about that. I never worry about that. So even if these people are genuinely not liking the video, And they decided that they feel it's their duty to let me know by um, um, leaving that dislike. That's perfectly fine. That's perfectly fine because you're never going to please everyone. So I don't worry about that. But I believe these are, um, I don't know if I call them trolls They're not trolls. But like I said, I I feel there's one or two people who just like to dislike every video. And um, that's cool. They still watch the video, and dislike is still engagement, so YouTube likes engagement, um, so I don't worry about that. But the reason I bring it up is... I know a lot of people do worry about likes and dislikes on social media. So not specifically YouTube, but like if you look at Instagram, same thing. Like a lot of people, also people I talk to, um, they post something and if they don't get enough likes right away, they get worried about it or they start to second guess themselves. And my opinion is just don't worry about that too much. Just post the content you want to post, the content you like to post. And if people like it, they like it. If they don't, they don't. But don't take it more serious than that. It's not like an indication of how the world feels about you. Um, And people have the right to like or dislike your content. But I know people who will actually delete posts after a couple of hours if they haven't received enough likes because they feel it will look bad to have that on their profile. Uh, For some, it might be business related that they want to have the facade that every post they post has an enormous amount of likes and anything that has less, they'll delete. I've never done that. I'm not into that. Some of my posts uh, on Instagram will only have 100 likes, while others will have 1100. So I take a look at that and I'll analyze to a certain degree and it teaches me something about my audience. So for instance, on Instagram, I know that if I post pictures with DJ equipment, or pictures of me having a gig, especially videos of me performing, they're gonna do a lot better than videos about anything else. Even if I'm in the picture, but it's about something else, not DJ gear or a gig, most likely it's gonna have a lot less likes. Now, if it was all about likes for me, I would just post DJ gear and DJ gig shots. But that's not what it's about. I mean, I post whatever I want to post. And I know with certain posts that it's not going to get the amount of likes. I don't care. If I feel like posting it, I'm going to post that. So please don't take that too seriously uh, and just post what you want to post, man. Banzoogle makes it easy to build a stunning website for your music in minutes. You can choose from hundreds of mobile-friendly themes and then customize your design and content in a few clicks with Banzoogle's easy visual editor. Now, all the features you need for a professional website are already built in, including tools to sell your music and merch commission-free, mailing list tools to grow your fan list and send newsletters, and integration to pull in content from all your online services, including Twitter, Instagram, and SoundCloud. I use Banzoogle to create the Share the Knowledge podcast website, and that was very easy. Banzuko plans started just $8.29 a month and include your own free custom domain name. Now, if you want to try it out for free for 30 days, click on the link in the description box down below and be sure to use the promo code SHARE to get 15% off the first year of your subscription. Um, what happened if you choose a name and now people recognize you as such, but then you hear of another DJ with that name? What's your next move? Granted, either one of you has no desire to change it. If I would find out that there was another DJ TLM, um, I would definitely not change my name. I would know that. I mean, I've used this DJ name for 26 years or longer. I don't even know, I lost count. I think it's 27 years actually. Um, So I'm not gonna change that name. Now, if that other DJ would somehow take legal steps and 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 they would have like the 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 the, the trademark and you name it, um, if I would have to think of some type of trick that would allow me to still use it, I would probably do that. Uh, but we would have to see. I mean, that is something that could potentially happen. That if you have a DJ name and another DJ has that same name, uses that same name, and they turn this into a legal situation. Um, that might be a different uh, scenario. So if they trademark the name as their name, and then maybe they can um, force you to stop using that name. Now, I think it also matters on what country you're in. So if you're in the same country, that might legally be a little bit easier to do. I don't know how that works if one person, for instance, lives in Austria and is a DJ there, and the other one is a DJ in Mexico. I don't know how easy it would be to actually sue someone and claim that name for yourself, but... I would not change that, Um, but I think it also depends on if you're in um, in the same pool. Let me put it like this. Are you the same type of DJ? Are you playing the same type of music? Are you in the same area? That might make it more problematic. If there was another DJ TLM in Amsterdam, or at least in the Netherlands, that would be an issue because if my name is on a flyer but it's not me because another dj is using that same name people here could assume that i would be the dj who's attending and playing um we don't want that confusion i mean the other dj doesn't want that confusion either because imagine if that dj is doing a solo gig and he's using the name tlm and then you have like a bunch of people in the audience looking at that dj like who are you I mean, I can say that here because I know there's no one else with that name. And if someone would start to use that name now, they're 27 years too late because most people will put my face with that name. Um, But I think all those things play a role. So if you're in a totally different genre, different place, it might not matter that much. But even then, I mean, uh, that's tricky. It's it's, it's it's a little bit tricky. I, I mean, I can't speak on it more because I've never been in that situation. Uh, I've advised new DJs against certain names. I know one DJ who wanted to name himself DJ Scratch. So I told him, I don't think that's a good idea. There's already a legendary DJ Scratch from EPMD out here. He's been DJing, I mean, I think over 30 years. Well known within the hip hop scene, legendary status, you name it, still DJing. Um, I don't think it's a good idea to give yourself that name. So in that case, and I, there were a couple of other situations as well where people came to me and asked me for my opinion when it came to a DJ name, and when I heard the name and heard that it was like a familiar name, I definitely advised them not to do it. But in any other scenario, I don't know what I would do. All right, so I want to talk about a comment that I saw, and this is a comment that was made for my No Regrets, No Shortcuts video uh, podcast episode from a couple of weeks ago. And the comment here is that M. Effort is forgetting that the goal is not to be the best DJ in the world, but to enjoy what you're doing and the whole process of uh, learning and failing. I agree uh, 90%. Yes, I feel that the process and enjoying the process is very important. Uh, when I think back uh, to the beginning days of my DJ adventure, I have a lot of fun thinking about that because I remember having a lot of fun. And this started before I had my first real DJ set. This started when I first had vinyl and I started to play vinyl on two different sets. So we had a set in the living room, I had a little set in the house, uh, in in my room. And back in the days, those sets would include a turntable. So I hooked those two up so I had two different stereo sets with a turntable and that allowed me to play vinyl on both decks. No pitch, so I couldn't beat match. Uh, Half of the things I did sounded terrible, but I just loved the fact that I was able to play multiple tracks at the same time. And um, I would grab an acapella of one track and instrumental, and I would just scratch. No fader, just moving it back and forth while the beat was playing. That to me was already amazing and incredible, and I loved it. Of course, when I got my first DJ set, I already had a little vinyl collection and really started to practice, working on my mixes, working on my turntablism, um, a mixer with no crossfader, learning how to backspin with just the upfaders, uh, recording on cassette, listening back, going in again, doing the mix again, learning, improving, listening to albums, listening to scratches on an album, trying to emulate those scratches. Um that was done with a lot of fun. I enjoyed doing it. That's why I could do it for hours on because it was something I love to do. And I enjoyed myself to the fullest during that process. Now, especially when you start to progress, um, that helps out a lot. That's motivating. So once you learn how to do a scratch, once you get that beat uh, to match another beat, those things make you feel invincible. And I enjoyed that entire process over the years, upgrading gear, learning new techniques, doing my first gig in front of people, playing my first, uh, doing my first DJ battle, all of that. Uh, Feeling the nerves, then feeling happy afterwards, uh, making mistakes during live shows, you name it. It's all part of the game, all part of the process. And I loved it, still love it. But the part where I disagree is when you say the goal is not to be the best DJ in the world. Uh, I feel you can enjoy the process to the fullest, but you can definitely feel that you want to become the best, the best whatever. In this case, we're talking about DJing, but this could be the best whatever. I know there's probably plenty of basketball players out there who enjoyed the process, but in the back of their mind, they were thinking about becoming the best. You can't tell me that Kobe Bryant wasn't thinking about being the best and he probably enjoyed the process at the same time. You can't tell me LeBron wasn't thinking about that. You can't tell me MJ was always thinking about that, being the best. So um, no, I disagree. You can definitely feel that is your goal to become the best, but just don't forget to enjoy the process at the same time and realize if you're starting out now and you have it set in your mind that you wanna become the best, that you should strive to become the best, but enjoy that process and understand it's going to be a long process, especially if you want to become the best. The best takes a lot of work, a lot of hours, days, months, years, you name it. Um, we can attest to that. When I say we, I'm talking about Brainpower, the MC that I work with, tour with, I have been touring with for 21 years. I remember the first time that we were competing, this was a national contest here in the Netherlands. I don't know if you could call it a talent show, but it was kind of like a talent show, um, but with a lot of actually talented artists, uh, and you would do a a couple of pre-shows, and if you would make it to the finals, you would play in a venue called Paradiso here in Amsterdam, a big venue, um, and you would be judged by a panel and the audience. And I remember we practiced uh, like eight hours a day for that, weeks on weeks on weeks, just on and on forever. Why? Because we wanted to be the best, not just for that event, but that was on our minds at that time. But we had a lot of fun doing that, but we were working nonstop because we had it in our minds that we wanted to be the best. And as an end result of that, during that event, we won the main prize. That is the judge, the panel's prize. So they choose a winner we won. There was also a People's Choice Award. We won. There was a Best MC. He won. There was a Best DJ. I won. The only category we didn't win was Best Singer. That's because we did not sing. Beyond that, we just destroyed the competition because we worked for it. Loved the process, but we had it in our minds to go for it, not just to have fun. Having fun, that's great. But there's nothing wrong with being hungry and wanting that prize as well. And that prize can be an actual prize in a contest, but that prize can also be just to become the best. So making a combination out of those two, that hunger and enjoying the process, to me that's a perfect combination and that's what you wanna have that's going to be someone who could take it really, really far. So that's just something I wanted to add. This is not really answering a question, but sometimes I see a comment and I could just put a reply in text and leave it there. But in this case, I feel a video makes a lot more sense. Uh, It will probably reach more people. And I hope to inspire you with this as well, because you might be at home right now and maybe you have that hunger and somehow you're feeling like it's not happening fast enough or it's not working out for you, don't forget to enjoy the process as well because that can motivate you and get you going again as well. Um, But that's it. All right, I see another comment here for my setting cue points for your whole music collection, and that's also a podcast episode. And the comment is, setting cue points in advance is an opportunity for you to really get to know the tracks you're adding to your collection as you're listening to them since as TLM said in other videos, it's crucial to know the music you intend to play. I usually set a cue point on the first beat, another one on the last beat of the intro for me to quickly see if the intro is four bars or eight bars long, that's dope. Uh, But you see that at a glance on the waveform anyway. Then I do the same thing on the first and second hook. For me to know where uh, where to start my transition whether I decide to let the song play until the first or second hook, depending on whether the audience is really feeling the track. So in this case, really using the cue points as a visual marker, not just the point where you can go to real quick, but using the cue points as a visual marker um, is a very smart tactic, especially for songs that you don't know that well. Then that visual indicator can really help you. I'd also like the fact uh, that you're talking about the first beat And that last beat before the new phrase begins, where mostly the um, verse will begin. Because, yes, some intros will be only four bars, some will be eight bars. And you can tell by looking at the waveform, but having that extra visual cue point can be a nice addition. All right. I guess you play a song without putting any cue points in it, but you gotta know that the song, uh, you gotta know that song by heart. So, you might wanna put cue points in it anyway as you're practicing, because if not, Like someone else said in the comments, what's the point of playing digitally? Um, Yeah, true. I mean, there's a lot of songs that I know by heart, but in that case, I still have cue points in there, not as a visual indicator, but because I want to be able to work fast. And if I know, uh, like the first beat, I always have that just because if I'm uh, beat matching and I have it synced, I want to go back to the beginning with a push of a button instead of having to rewind the record or lifting up the needle. So that's a important cue point for me. Then there might be uh, other parts in the track that I just want to go to quick. And that's why I have cue points in there, even if it's a track that I know by heart. The main goal of cue points is to move fast while you're DJing. Your time is limited when you're spinning and you want to move quick. So a lot of things are going to happen that will slow you down. You beat matching and want to get to the beginning of the song again. Yes, that's what I just said. Exactly. Yeah, You were going to play a song but realize it doesn't fit the ambiance. Your track skipped and you do want to start it over. A special part in the song comes up uh, for which you have a little cue point juggle. Yep. All of that. But also, a member of staff comes and talks to you. A customer comes to request a song. You say hi to your friends, some flirtatious chick uh, comes to talk to you, etc., etc. You want to be able to move as fast as you can to reduce reaction time and lower the stress that comes uh, from adapting to an unexpected situation. That's a very good point because especially if you're not used to playing in front of people yet, you need to realize that once you get into the scenario of, playing in front of people where people have access to you, it means that a lot of people are going to have a chance to, um, disturb, disrupt, um, or at least get in your workspace while you're attempting to perform. Um, some mean, well, Some are very egoistic and they are just thinking about themselves and some actually don't mean well at all. Whatever the case may be, people could disturb your set. So in that case, cue points can definitely help out as well. I've been in a situation where someone was really distracting right before I wanted to make a transition. I had to brush them off quick, then jump back to the set If at that point I had to manually uh, bring back the vinyl, bring back the needle, look for the beginning, I would not be in time for the transition. In this case, I brushed the person off, ran back to the set, hit my cue point to go back to that first beat because I only had like three more counts before the hook started, hit that cue point. And I was able to just bring it in just in time for the transition. Without cue points, that would not be possible. And I've been in plenty of situations before my digital time where I was using vinyl where something like that happened and then I missed my window and then I had to wait an entire other verse before I could do my transition in the next hook. And that was always pretty frustrating. So cue points can really help you out. Same thing with like short loops that you can activate at any point. Stuff like that can help you out if you run into situations like that. So uh, so it's always good to hear um, from actual experienced DJs, because I can recognize a lot of the things he's talking about. And um, that's what I love about the modern technology. I don't feel it takes over the DJ's job in any way. I feel it makes our job easier because we had to deal with situations in the past that went beyond our control. And I have no desire to keep it real for some of these uh, purists, and continue to live in those circumstances when there's no need to. Same thing with needles that used to skip. Now, if you play with Serato or DJ Software and you have it in relative mode, the skips don't affect your track the way they did. Now, is that a skill factor? No, it's not. I played in clubs where you had like this unsteady stage and anytime someone would touch the DJ booth, your record would skip. And this was a place where people were leaning up against the DJ booth. So a lot of times your records would skip. Now, that's not something I want to continue to happen. But at that particular venue, it would always happen. Now, with Serato, that changed the situation. Even if the record would skip, the music would continue to play straight away. It was less of an issue. Uh, compared to when your needle on normal vinyl skips and now you're all the way back to the beginning of the song or you're in the next song. The whole vibe is dead. You have to lift the needle up. No sound. Bring it back to the beginning. That's an awful situation. There's no way I would continue to play um, and risk that if I don't have to because that's not taking away anything from your skills, That's why it's so tiring to talk to certain people about technological uh, development because they feel that now it's uh, all about the technology and not about the skill. But a lot of these things had nothing to do with skill at all. So, yeah, man, it's perfect to have stuff like that. And uh, that's a very good use of cue points. So thank you for that comment. All right. I'm going to keep it nice and short for this episode. That's because I have to get back to work. I have a couple of videos I need to record. got some DJ City videos I need to shoot. So I hope you enjoyed this episode. Share the knowledge podcast for DJs, episode 10, season two, 2019. We're already in May. Time is going fast. Um, I'll be back next week with a new episode. So if you're new to the podcast, thanks for tuning in. Hopefully, uh, you'll be back next time. Make sure you share the podcast if you get the opportunity so people know that I have an actual full audio version because some people still think that all I do is shoot videos. And when they see the video podcast clips, they feel that that is my podcast and they're missing out on at least half of the content from every week's episode because I don't post everything on YouTube. Um talking about YouTube if you haven't checked out my YouTube channel DJ TLM TV make sure you do because I have a lot more stuff going on over there as well um yeah I'll talk more about my DJ course as this develops and in the very near future I'm going to be looking for 5 to 10 serious people serious people who are in their beginning stages and really feel they need to learn more about all of the DJ fundamentals I'm gonna be looking for five to 10 people to test my DJ course. And I want people who actually still need to learn because that's gonna be the best indicator if the course is um, effective. So if you already know how to DJ, in that case, um, we, we can never tell if you learned something from the course or not. If you don't know how to DJ yet or are really in your beginning stages or you're still struggling with a lot of the fundamentals, then this is something that could work. Now, that's going to be a little while. That's going to be like probably next week or two weeks when I start to really call out people for that. But uh, if you're listening to a podcast right now and you are a beginner and you are interested, uh, I'm, I'm, I will be selecting five to ten people to test the course. You're going to have to do the entire course from beginning to end. And the only thing that I'll ask from you is that you give me the feedback and write me a testimonial. That's going to be it. Uh, So you're getting that DJ course entirely free. And trust me, that is a very nice discount. (laughs) Uh, I'll talk more about that very, very soon. All right. Thanks for tuning in. See you next week.